Hello, and welcome to episode number 164 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined this week by Stephen Andrus, and we are going to go top to bottom here. Nothing but NFL draft. It is NFL draft week, and if you've been living under a rock, you probably... You probably don't understand just the magnitude of what this means for the betting community and everything like that, but we are here to open your eyes. It is an awesome event to bet on. So many different ways that you can go about attacking this. Nobody really knows a whole bunch, which is another interesting thing about this whole draft process where we're trying to speculate. We're trying to read the tea leaves. We're trying to put together as much good information as we can to come out with an opinion and then put our money behind it. Steven, this is one of those things where if we take a look at the things that we, we think we pretty much know. And, you know, I I think whenever we take a look at this, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, number one, we know that Zach Wilson, number two, we know that Um, we have both of these guys talking about the communities that they're likely to go to. Apparently uh, Trevor Lawrence already donating charity. Apparently Zach Wilson already reaching out to people who have played in New York, asking about the pressure of that situation and all the things like that. So we definitely know that. I mean, what are some other things that we, that we know kind of heading into this whenever we're, you know, looking, you know, I, I don't think you're making the Lawrence or the Wilson bets, but maybe there's some other bets that we can make. There was stuff that we're pretty positive about. Well, if you believe NFL insider Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, then we know that the 49ers are taking either Mac Jones or Lance with the third overall pick. And we can get into that, whether or not we actually believe that. Um, I know both of us had some Justin Fields interest in that spot, uh, but that's the other thing that we know. But other than that. We don't know much. I mean, even Mel Kuyper has said that this is a, a a draft shrouded in secrecy. We didn't have a formal NFL combine. Uh, that not only takes away the on-field workouts, but it basically becomes kind of a, a black market for information revolving around the draft. You have agents and scouts and players and front office personnel all mingling in one city for a week, sharing nuggets and information. We, we just don't have that this year. So... Um, there's a lot more mystery after the first two picks than most drafts that I've seen in recent years. I think the things we can feel pretty good about, and again, I guess it's not completely certainty, but pretty much written in stone. Kyle Pitts will be the first tight end taken in the draft. Jamar Chase will be the first wide receiver taken in the draft. Penny Sewell will be the first offensive lineman taken in the draft. Pretty much every single mock draft out there has Pitts as the first tight end. Honestly, there's not going to even going to be another tight end taken in the first round. So, I mean, like he's going to be the only tight end taken, which makes him the first tight end taken as well. Jamar Chase, pretty much about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, really started to separate himself from everybody else. And then he backed it up at the LSU Pro Day, which uh, which really kind of solidified him. You're not really finding any mock drafts out there that have any other wide receiver going first except for Jamar Chase and then there are a couple of drafts out there that have another offensive lineman going ahead of Sewell but really it is about 98 percent of them all have Sewell going as the number one offensive lineman so I do believe as far as things that we definitely know Lawrence won Wilson two, Pitts first tight end Chase first wide receiver Sewell first offensive lineman I think we're pretty confident in all of those those things, is there anything that people are talking about that's kind of a given that you're not so sure of? Like you've heard it just mentioned over and over and over and over again, but you're not really buying into? The one thing I'll mention, and we talked about it last week with, with Sewell as the first offensive lineman, there was at one point both of the primary NFL.com mock drafters, Pete Schrager, who's dialed in pretty pretty damn well. He works for the the league's network and and Daniel Jeremiah, their head NFL draft guy. Now that Mike Mayock works for the Raiders, both of them at one point had Rashawn Slater and not Sewell as the first offensive lineman taken. But then Pete Schrager did his second mock draft and then he switched it back. So um, I think Sewell is the rightful minus 500 minus 600 favorite to be the first offensive lineman taken. Uh, But if there is one here that could be a totally crazy situation where somebody goes off off the uh, off the consensus here, Rashawn Slater is the first offensive lineman might be it. 
And then you just never know when you're going to have something crazy drop before the draft. You're uh, this one piece of betting advice I would say is, you know, if if you're like me who, you know, isn't dropping thousands of dollars on these bets, don't lay this kind of juice even if you think that it's going to be a lock. I mean, I remember a few years ago where Laramie Tunsil was supposed to be a minus 1500 lock. And then the video comes out of him smoking weed out of a bong mask. And all of a sudden he's the third offensive lineman taken. So for me, it's not my strategy to lay a lot of money at at long odds like this. Uh, But for the most part, I'm with you. These guys seem like locks to be the first picked at their positions. Slater would be a very dark horse pick potentially is the first one as there have been at least a couple of reports that teams do like him more than Sewell over at BetMGM, And of course we are presented by BetMGM here on the lines podcast. Um, first wide receiver taken Jamar chase minus 1200 um, Kyle Pitts minus 10,000 to be the first tight end taken. Uh, Sewell has moved to minus 700 as the first offensive lineman taken. So um, massive, massive, massive uh, odds there on those to be the first taken at their position. Um, one of the other things I think we can look at here that has become the, the real storyline and you know where the draft basically begins is the number three overall pick. If we're looking at the odds over at BetMGM right now, Mac Jones has moved to minus 250 to be the third overall pick. Trey Lance plus 190. Justin Fields all the way up to plus 800. You're getting eight to one on Justin Fields right now to be the number three overall pick. Now, of course, as you referenced, that is coming off of some information from Ian Rappaport as to uh, as to what the concerns of the 49ers may or may not be, where their interests may or may not lie. And now we have seen some massive odds move here. Now, Stephen, I think it is important for us to to point out here, though, these markets are moving due to the bets that are coming yes. in. So so this does not necessarily mean that Mac Jones is going third overall. People are paying attention to the the insiders just like you and I are. And they're adjusting accordingly with their bets. Maybe they're changing their positions. Maybe they're trying to to get a little bit of a hedge in. So just because Jones has moved to minus 250, by no stretch of the imagination, does that mean that he's going to be the third overall pick? As we just talked about, I mean, some of these other some of these other lines out there, minus 10,000, minus 2,500, minus 700. You know, I mean, those those are huge, 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 huge favorites. So just before you go and run and and slap your money down on Mac Jones, I do want to at least put that little bit of caution out there that this is a big move based off of quote unquote air quotes here. If you're just listening to us and not watching us sources. And we talked to Jeff Benson over at Circus Sports. He stick around for that interview later on here in the podcast. But he's he let us know that books are booking to the money here, not necessarily all the headlines that are being made. So, you know, Mac Jones, we were taping this, you know, at the beginning of, of draft week. Sunday night, Mac Jones was minus 170 to be the third overall pick. And most of that was money that came in after his pro day when some of the initial reports came out. So now you have to believe that most of the money coming in for third overall pick is either on Mac Jones or it's on Trey Lance after Ian Rappaport's tweet on Sunday night. So that's why he's now down to minus 250, I would assume. It's one of these two guys, if you're believing Ian Rappaport's uh, report out there. But, you know, we've also seen smoke screens this late in the game before. I mean, I remember a yeah. few years back, nobody had Blake Bortles being taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were a vault on that information, and it shocked every single one of the insiders on draft night. Now, you know, they had concerns about a team above them taking their guy. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case here with the 49ers with Lawrence and Wilson pretty much locked into their spots at one and two and no chance that they're going to trade out of those spots and somebody come up and take the 49ers guy. So, um, but, you know, I'm curious, you were on fields before the Rappaport information. If you were somebody who was looking to make a bet, do you still think it could be fields and are interested in that eight to one price now? Or are you just going to take Rappaport at face value with this? I, I don't listen at this point. It seems like there's so much smoke that maybe there is going to be fire here, but you know, I'm just a, I would be astonished, I guess for Mac, for them to move up to three and take Mac Jones. And of course for this is the other thing. And this is just a, you know, we'll do 30 seconds of sports talk radio here. We're, this is not what we're supposed to be doing here. We're talking about the betting odds, but sure. um, it seems incredible to me 
that they would mortgage as much as they did, trade as much as they did, give away as many picks as they did to move to the number three pick and then not know who they wanted. Like we're sitting here saying that we're dra- we're here at draft week and they're still trying to figure out who they want at the number three pick. Like they specifically went and got to number three because whoever they wanted did, they didn't think they were going to be there at four or five or six or whatever. Cause they had to go, they went all the way up to three to get it. It just seems crazy to me that they don't know who they want or didn't know who they want whenever they made that uh, move and, and, you know, again, gave away future first round picks and all kinds of stuff to get up to the number three spot. I mean, it, it all comes down, I guess, to the fact, do they want floor or do they want ceiling, right? I mean, yeah. I think we both can agree that Mac Jones floor is probably a little bit higher than Lance and Fields, but there's no denying that the ceiling on Fields and Lance is exponentially higher than what you're getting with Mac Jones. And so the athleticism of both of those guys is, you know, fits today's NFL so much better, but Hey, you know, maybe that isn't what, maybe that isn't what Shanahan wants. You know, maybe I've heard some, a little bit of rumors out there that maybe Shanahan's the type of dude who doesn't want guys improvising, who doesn't want guys kind of breaking things down and, and taking off scrambling and things like that. He wants them to run his offense because he loves his offense and he doesn't want somebody deciding to, uh, you know, to go kind of go off on a limb whenever he calls a play. So, I mean, maybe that could be the case as well. And, um, but I'll tell you this at eight to one, I don't think it is a, I don't think it is in stone that they are going to go Mac Jones. So I, I, I would, I would still take a flyer on fields at eight to one. And even with, with Lance being two to one, basically you can um, bet them both. Yeah. You could bet I them mean, both if you're fading Mac Jones. Yeah. You know, for me again, he, we very well might be sitting here on Thursday night and they might call Mac Jones's name. It would, it would, it would shock me, but again, there's a lot of smoke. And again, a lot of smoke usually leads to fire. Yeah. And for me, I I bet Trey Lance to be the pick about two weeks ago. Um, He actually opened as the favorite the day the 49ers made the trade to get in position for pick three. And I hear everything you say that it's hard to believe that they would make this trade, not knowing who they want. Um, I do think that they assumed that if they stayed at pick 12, they wouldn't get any of these three guys. I think that seems fair to assume at this point, based on all the reports and mock drafts, that there's going to be five quarterbacks in the top 10. So they had to make a move. That was the move that was available, and it guaranteed that they would get their choice of these other three quarterbacks. So um, clearly they went through the evaluation process with not just one, but extra pro days on these guys. So if I'm a better right now and I haven't made a bet on the number three pick, I'm not laying the juice on Mac Jones for all the reasons that we talked about, Mm -hmm. that he is the floor play and that they did give up two extra first round picks. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I've listened to uh, recent Kyle Shanahan interviews, some from during the season about how he evaluates a quarterback. And he has admitted that the way he evaluates a quarterback has changed from earlier in his career. Um, And I think Trey Lance is, you know, that ball of clay that could be molded into Mm -hmm. an absolute masterpiece. So, um, you know, he's got it's worth mentioning. They want. still have Jimmy Garoppolo on roster. Right. So exactly. it's not like they it's not like Place they holder. have. Right. It's not like they have to throw this guy in, you know, like from day one. So that there there is that as well. This isn't one of those deals where they have nobody on the roster and whoever they take has to come in from day one, step on the field and and be the guy. So there there is that for sure um, as well. What you can do over on BetMGM as well is you can bet the exact outcome of one, two, three. And so basically you're just getting a little bit better odds on picking who's going number three, because again, it is all but certain it's going Lawrence and Wilson. So my opinion to you, as opposed to betting just straight up who is going three, you're just getting a little bit more value to just pick the ex- the exact outcome of one, two, three. So instead of laying 250 on Mac Jones, if you wanted to do that, the exact outcomes of Lawrence Wilson Jones is 225. If you want to bet uh, Lance instead of plus 190, you're getting plus 200. So you're just getting a little bit of extra value if you just take the the exact outcome bet of the one, two, three. And again, um, there is nobody out there who is chirping that is not going to go that is not going to go Lawrence and then Wilson. So uh, just a a little bit of a tip there if you wanted to go about that. Um, One of the things that you can do if you don't believe that Justin Fields is going to go number three and he's available there at number four, the over-under on Justin Fields is still sitting at four and a half right now, uh, Stephen. And, you know, I think that there's a chance that 
if he's not taking it three and the Falcons are sitting there at four, as much as they might want to take uh, Kyle Pitts, I think they're going to get a lot of phone calls. I think they're going to get a lot of phone calls real quick, and it might be in their best interests to to trade out of that spot. And so um, even if you don't think Fields goes three, you're kind of getting a bet of him going three or four if you take the under four and a half and, you know, again, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the Falcons would get enough, enough interest in that four pick for, for fields to move in that spot. If, uh, if he's still available. I agree with you. Um, you know, if you look at the Falcons roster, they have so many more holes than, you know, taking an offensive option right now. And uh, I think I saw something the other day that with where the cap could potentially be in 2022, uh, they could have three players taking up half of their salary cap space next year with all the rot, with all the signing yeah. bonuses and massive contracts they had. So um, new regime in there, new GM, new head coach. Um, it certainly would be a prudent, uh, move to go and amass more draft picks and more talent on cheap rookie contracts. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't see them drafting a quarterback with Matt Ryan's contract. What it is, it's a it's a mess for the next couple of years. Peter King came out on Monday morning and said that you know they might be looking to trade Julio Jones. Um, so I, I still think Kyle Pitts is who they take if they stay there. Um, you know, they they did trade a second round pick for Hayden Hurst last year, but Kyle Pitts is, seems from all accounts as a generational talent. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you. There's a chance that somebody trades up there to get Mac Jones, but um, I think I'm on the opposite of that. I, I I don't know that a team would trade up to get Mac Jones when Justin Fields is also still there. Um, I think the likelihood... No, no, I think they would trade up to get Justin Fields. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The, the over-under on Justin Fields is four and a half. And so okay. what I was saying is if you take the under four and a half, if he, you're, you're, getting, you're getting three and four with him right, right. there at that. Right. So like if for whatever reason the 49ers decide not to take him at three... You have him sitting there at four and one, it's tempting at least to the Falcons, but I think that someone calls the Falcons and tries to get up there to take Justin Fields. Again, the under four and a half is actually plus money. It's plus 125 at BetMGM. And so um, that's a bet that I'm willing to have in the account. It's a bet I already have in my account as it is anyway, but if I was betting again for the first time, I would, uh, I think I would take that because I do believe that even if the 49ers decide to pass, that there's going to be somebody who wants to who wants to go up and, and take a Justin Fields in that four spot. Yeah, I mean, you and I are agreed that we think he's the, the third best quarterback in this draft. I mean, there have been concerns recently, but yeah, I, I, I can see that. It's, my strategy is different when I bet the NFL draft. I try not to uh, have to predict trades because it's so hard to do, uh, but certainly I can see that argument. Um, you know, Atlanta will potentially get a haul if Justin Fields is still there at four. So um, I, I can't argue with you against that strategy. Trey Lance, of course, um, is the is the guy that is the the wild card here. Over under six and a half on him at um, at Bedham Gym. I, I got to be honest. This really just depends on where you feel like where you where you feel like he goes if if the 49ers take him or not. Because right. if not, what we know, I mean, Cincinnati is definitely not taking quarterback. Miami is definitely not taking quarterback. Um, so this comes down to whether you think there's there's any real juice to this. Um, to this rumor that he could end up with with the 49ers. If not, I think that you would be pretty heavy on the over as opposed to the under because um again, I- I'm I don't believe that there's somebody who's going to make a a huge trade to get up to 4 yeah to take uh, to take Trey Lance in, in a in a look let's look at it this way. If you trade to move up to four to get a guy who didn't play D1, who only has 17 starts in his career and that fails, then you have lost your job. Like you have you have cost yourself your job. Like, I mean, that is just going to happen. If you if you pick a Justin Fields and it doesn't work out, a guy that was a five star recruit, you know, was at Georgia, goes to Ohio State, played in the biggest of the big games, played on the biggest stage you know, you can get a pass with that, but like yeah. you, you mortgage the future to go up and get Lance and that doesn't work out. Like you have, you're going to get fired. So, um, I guess, so for me, it's, it's a, it's an under, if you honestly believe the 49ers are going to take him 
And if you do not believe that, then it's a big, big, big over because I don't think then at that point, he probably doesn't go until eight or nine, maybe even 10, something like that. Like somebody trying to get up at that point and maybe trading up. Yeah. And at BetMGM, the line is actually now moved to five and a half over under five and a half for Trey. Lance. Has it really? Oh, well, that, that's changed since last night then. Yeah. So that's uh that's interesting. So we're looking at we're looking at minus 165 for over five and a half. So to, to me, I'm with you. This is a 49ers bet. Like, do you do you mm-hmm. or do you not think the 49ers are going to tra- draft him at three? So to me, I'd rather just bet Trey Lance to be the pick yeah. at three and right now get, you know, plus 180, plus 190 on him as opposed to betting under five and a half and getting plus 130. Because I agree exactly. with you. If it's, if it's not the 49ers, I don't see the Falcons or another team trading up to the fourth spot where the Falcons are to take him. I The more likely landing spot would be the, the Panthers at eight potentially or maybe yep. – you know, Bill Belichick later, but it seems like they like Justin Fields. So um, to me, I'm not betting this because if I'm betting him to go early, I'm just taking him to go pick three and get better, better odds on it. I like that strategy. I think that's the way to go uh, on that for sure. Um, Number four overall pick, and this is kind of where we, this is kind of where we are. You know, I mean, this is the, we talk about three being where the draft starts and then things get real interesting at four as well, because I think you and I are of the same mindset here that Matt Ryan's kind of getting a bad rap. Like, I don't really think that he's, I don't think he's washed up. I mean, PFF had him ranked the 12th best quarterback in, in the league last year, you know, and um, he's only, you know, as far as quarterbacks go, he's not super old. He's probably still has another three or four years left in him if he wanted to go that route. Um, so I, I see all these people, you know, saying they're going to be tempted to take a quarterback. I can't get there. I don't buy that at all. I think it's pits or trade for me. I, I think it's pits or trade if you want the four pick with the Falcons. And so um, I am I am pretty firmly actually in that in that camp that it's either it's either pits or trade. Yeah, I have a ticket. I have I bet Kyle Pitts under pick five and a half. Um, I got mm-hmm. minus one fifty on that. Um, so I I think that Pitts is the is the guy there. I think you know he's listed as a tight end, but you know let's be honest, he's not doing much blocking, right? So th- right. this is this is just a situation where you he could should just make be listed argument. as like matchup nightmare, like not right. even like a, a yeah, like not a position really, but yeah, like. OW offensive weapon, yeah. right? So yeah. I mean the the debate is like do you take him thinking he could be a bigger weapon than Jamar Chase? Uh and you know if you're getting him on safeties and linebackers the answer is yes. So, you know, I like Pitts to be a top 5 pick here. I that's one of my one bet that I feel the most confident in. Even if there's a trade, uh I could see the Bengals taking Pitts uh, at five, um, even with Jamar Chase still on the board after they took T. Higgins last year. I mean, I think most of the mocks that have Chase going to the Bengals is under the assumption that Pitts would not be there. So I, even even if he doesn't go to the Falcons at four by some outside chance, and I do think he does, you still have one more out on that under five and a half bet to still hit it. And I don't think it's out of the question that he could go to Cincinnati as well if that scenario plays out. But Again, I, I do think he's going to the Falcons. Yeah, I, I am. I am firmly in the camp of of pits or trade for the Falcons. Um, if you look at what they have, they're like like I said, they're not they're not taking a wide receiver. They have Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley. That's not happening. Um, and yeah, and they have. If, even if they got rid of Julio, they then need another weapon, right? So Pitts fits yeah. still there at the same time. And, and Ridley showed. Last year, when I mean, you got to remember if if you guys didn't pay attention, Julio missed six and a half games last year, and Calvin Ridley proved he can be a, a number one in this league. Like he was, he was able to be a number one there. So if he had somebody else to kind of help take the pressure off in a Kyle Pitts, then I think the Falcons would be perfectly fine with that duo right there. Um, as far as moving forward with the offense, I mean, we all know their real problems on defense, but. If you have a guy like Pitts, it's just going to be very hard to pass on him. You know, it's just going to be very hard to say, no, we're not going to pull the trigger on this guy that literally, you know, could come along once every 10 years. And so um, I believe that that's going to be the way that that goes as well on the four. Things get real crazy again if they decide to trade and that's where things get flipped on their head. You know, um, I think then at that point, the four overall pick becomes a quarterback, you know, um, because obviously if, if somebody is trading up as awesome as Pitts is, I don't think again, 
that you're mortgaging for what it would cost to get that pick. I don't think you're mortgaging the next three years of your organization to get a tight end because I mean, frankly, at the end of the day, I mean, we've had a lot of tight ends that have been hyped a ton. I mean, coming in, how how much did everyone talk about TJ Hawkinson and how awesome he was going to be and how, you know, he was going to change the game and this, that, and the other, like it's, it's just a difficult position to really, really, really change uh, the, the fortunes of a team, certainly instantly, where as where a quarterback is. So again, I, I, if that trade gets, if that spot gets traded, Stephen, I think it becomes a quarterback. And then at that point, you have to decide just how much you believe that that trade could happen. And that's where your bet ends up having to be. You could draft, you could pick, you know, the number four overall pick and just say that it's going to be, you know, say that it's going to be a quarterback. Those are bets that are available out there. Um, something like that. But again, I, I'm here's, I'm trying, here's what I would do. I'm trying not to do too much of the like trade forecasting. Sure. And it, here's here's the thing when we should absolutely tell our listeners this, this when especially with the NFL draft, there are different ways to bet the same thing, but get a better chance to win right. and better odds with the NFL draft. Like right now. Kyle Pitts over under is five and a half and it's juiced to the under for obvious reasons for what we just talked about. But there's another prop on position of first drafted player for the Atlanta Falcons and tight end is only minus 140. So let's say some wild scenario plays out where the Falcons trade down to six with the Dolphins and then picks four and five are still receivers and then they still get pits at six, you still hit that bet. So I would much rather get Falcons to draft a tight end at minus 140 than take pits under five and a half. Yeah, and, def- and like, it's it, a great too. way to put it. Like you can, you can connect the dots and you can put the puzzle together with these bets in different ways that give yourself more outs for things to get home. And so um, another way to go about all this, as we said, we are proudly presented here by BetMGM. I want to give you a little bit of information from the guys over at BetMGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, Stephen, position totals here. These are something I think that are very interesting. Um, how many quarterbacks, how many running backs, how many tight ends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so quarterbacks are sitting at five and a half right now. There is literally no mock draft out there that has come out in the past month that has six quarterbacks going in the first round. You do have to lay some heavy juice, but again, Kyle Trask just ain't getting into the first round. Like it just, it just ain't happening. So it depends on the size of your bankroll. And I say this all the time, like there are bets that you can make in the draft where you are going to win money. Now you are assuming a lot of risk because you are laying a lot of juice. But again, there is literally not a single respected mock draft that has come out in the last month that has six quarterbacks going in the first round. Um, You're going to have to lay it, but and I never call anything free money, but there ain't going to, I will put it that there's not going to be six quarterbacks going the first round. <laughs> you are staking your name on, <laughs> on that one. I like it. No, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through right now, pro football focuses draft board and just trying to find the sixth quarterback. And I'm up to the 60th overall player and I'm still looking for that quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, this would be a totally huge reach. I found him, Kyle Trask, 64th overall prospect by pro football focus. So for him to sneak into the top 32 would just be crazy to me. Um, you know, these, these are guys that are day two picks. Um, and I'm with you on that. You know, it, and it, again, it depends on bankroll always shop for the best odds is, you know, it's a very obvious thing to say, but 
you know, but, you could, but definitely you could see a huge difference between books on something like yeah, this. Yeah, definitely not a bet for everyone. And I understand that. Like, I, I definitely not a bet for everybody. But uh, if you do have a larger bankroll, um, yeah, there ain't going to be six quarterbacks taken. Uh, running backs sitting at um, a half. And this is one of those where we talked a little bit about this last week. And I think that, you know, we've had a week to gather more information. And it seems like there's just a lot more steam to it as well as the Najee Harris to the Steelers thing. And I think that the Steelers wrongly, I might add, but I think the Steelers internally think that they're still built to win a Super Bowl and they're, you know, let's just get, let's just get the, you know, the best available player. Let's get a a piece that we can add to this offense that will help us a little bit. We had the defense last year. We just couldn't get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, I think that's the internal discussion going on in Pittsburgh. And, you know, here's the thing. So removing myself from whether I think it's the right pick or not, if that's what they truly believe, then I can't knock them for taking Najee Harris. He fits the he fits the the role of the modern day running back. He's a three down back. He catches well. He has great hands, catches well out of the backfield. He's a he doesn't have to come off the field except for when he might get tired. I, I get everything about Najee Harris. He is awesome. Like I, I, I expect him to have a lot of success in the NFL. Um. But whether you take a first round, whether you use your first round pick to a running back or not, that's a whole different argument. But Stephen, have you seen anything here in the last week that would lead you to believe that that they're not going to do this? Well, they really should just rename this prop. The will the Steelers take a first round running back <laughs> prop, right? Because that's basically yeah. what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I think I have seen reports out of Pittsburgh from, you know, my old employer's sports talk station there mm. in Pittsburgh that they're they are still debating between Najee Harris and, and a couple of offensive linemen. So and, and that to me sounds like the old guard of the front office having debates with the new analytics card yeah. of the front office trying to, you know, talk in the old guard to, to not take a running back early. Um, I think, you know, I went back and looked at the draft order, and I think there's some interesting dynamics here that I haven't heard talked about yet that we should also consider. The Steelers pick 24th, the Jets pick 23rd. They have that extra pick from Seattle. The Jets also pick at 34th, the second pick in the second round. So the Jets don't exactly have a a good running back situation in their backfield. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have other needs, but is it out of the question for the Jets as well to consider a running back if they're debating two players at another position and feel like they're going to get similar value by just waiting, you know, less than 10 picks for their next spot at pick 34 overall? Um, The Jacksonville Jaguars pick right after the Steelers. They have an undrafted running back in James Robinson, who was fantastic last year, but he was still an undrafted running back. Their backup running back is Carlos Hyde, who is a cut candidate. He's not very good. Um, That could be a landing spot for an offensive running back weapon who's a dual threat like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. Um, And if they feel like not taking him at pick 25 will mean that they won't get him at pick 33. Maybe they just take him earlier and still have that pick pretty high up at the beginning of the second round. So I think there's, there's some running back landing spots here with a couple oh, yeah. of teams other than I think the there's Steelers. a lot of outs for this bet. Like I think yeah. there's a lot of outs for this bet. I mean, I, mean, I think the bills is another team that is uh, an out for this because yep. they're kind of, they kind of have a luxury pick right at 30. They have a pretty good defense. They got a pretty good offense. They, I think it's one of those where if they're sitting there at 30, Najee Harris is still on the board. They might go, Hey, look, we get it, but we don't really have glaring needs. We just have kind of stuff we'd like to improve on just a little bit, but we don't have a running back. So, I mean, you know, that would be, I could see that being a luxury pick for even the bills. So yeah, I think the, I think the over is, I'm not going to say a lock. I think the over is a very strong bet in that one. I do believe that there's multiple outs even outside of the Steelers. Uh, wide receivers are sat at four and a half. Um, you love this one. This is one of my very favorite bets on the entire board. Um, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman have gone in the first round in every single mock draft that you see. So that's four already. So we need one more wide receiver to go and look, Elijah Moore is out there. Terrace Marshall is out there. Rondell Moore is out there. We still have uh, we still have ones that 
have, uh, uh, you know, even Kadarius Tony going in the first round as well. So there is a, a wad of guys out there that can still go to be that fifth guy. If you look at all the respected mock drafts out there, Steve Palazzo has six. Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus has seven. Kuiper has six. McShay has six. Dane Brugler has five. Uh, CBS Ryan Wilson has five. Sharp Football has six. So, I mean, there isn't, again, there's another one of those deals where there isn't anyone out there that has only four going. Um, and in a passing league, Stephen, yep. I find it very difficult to believe that we're not going to see five receivers go off the board. Teams are running more and more three wide receiver sets, which means you have to have more wide receivers on your team and you have to have more wide receivers that can actually perform on your team. And so um, I love this one. My favorite bet I have in my account. And um, if you can find it out there, I would bet this thing up to three. I'd bet this thing up to minus 300, minus 320, something like that. That's how confident I am. There'll be five, five or more receivers taken. I might even be interested in looking for plus money at over five and a half receivers for six right. receivers. Because if you do the I mean, you do the math on this, the over under for total offensive players taken in the first round, I think is 18 and a half, 30, 13 and a half for defensive players. You start doing the math on the quarterbacks that are going to go and maybe a running back and a tight end early. And, you know, they're not there's not going to be 10 or 11 offensive linemen drafted in the first round. Yeah. So. You know, and if there's not going to be if if the supply of first round graded defensive players is lower this year than it is in most years, that leaves wide receivers left. So to me, it's a math equation with trying to figure out how many receivers are going to go early. Um, and and if you look at the landing spots in the late first round, there's a ton of them for wide receiver. Oh, the Bears. That's what makes 20. it so much better. Yeah. That's what makes it so much better in all of this is because you try to get yourself there and then you start looking at that like 21, uh, 21 to 32 and you go, are you trying to tell me we're going to get from 21 to 32 and not a single team is going to take yeah. a wide out? Like it just seems impossible to me. Yeah, I mean, you can even throw the Bears in there at pick 20 with Allen Robinson playing on the franchise tag. Uh, mm. Titans at 22. The Jets are thin at receiver. Jaguars could use another receiver potentially with a new head coach in there. What are the Browns going to do with Odell Beckham? They've shored up their roster. They can do whatever the heck they want at pick 26 and take just the best The Ravens available. got an extra pick. The Ravens are the extra pick. That's the key right there, yeah. right? That's the key to this. They get that extra first round pick from the Orlando Brown trade. And we all know the Ravens need some receiver help. They don't have any size. That's where I think Terrace Marshall goes. I have a bet that he's going to be a first round pick in this draft. I think he'd be a great fit in, in, the, in the Ravens offense they were already looking for size when trying to you know spin the wheels on on des bryant yep. last year so i i think that's a great landing spot for terrace marshall and i'm seeing peter king and a couple others in in recent days throwing katarius tony into the first round here i don't mm -hmm. think he's a first round talent but i certainly see why teams would be attracted to him so like we've talked about with some of these other ones earlier in the pot, there's so many landing spots here and so many outs for a bet like this to hit. Yeah, the Saints could use another receiver. Michael Thomas can't do it all on his own. And I think that, that has been, yeah, the Packers for sure could use one as well. And then you get down to that pick 32 and the Bucks just have a luxury pick, right? Yep. So if they're sitting there at 32 and one of these receivers is sitting still on the board, remember they have not re-signed Antonio Brown yet as of this recording on Monday morning of draft week that if one of these receivers is still sitting there, they might just go, we, we've got the luxury to take one of these guys, you know? And so they could do that as well. So love, love, love that pick more than anything in the world. Uh, tight ends is set one and a half. Do not bet the over on this. There is not a tight yeah. end. There's not another tight end that is even in the stratosphere of going in the first round. We don't even need to discuss this one. It's under all day long. It's just juice to hell. So you, again, you'd have to have a massive bankroll if you want to build, if you want to do that one. Um, so offensive lineman set at six and a half. This is one of the more interesting ones, Stephen, because we've seen drafts where you get these run, you get these runs on offensive linemen because teams start to panic, right? Like, like yep. the top three or four come off the board and you kind of think that maybe that's just going to do it for the round. And then teams go, Oh shit. Like the, the that guy's not going to be there. We're not going to get the guy. And we've seen these, these run on offensive linemen happen before. I have no interest in this bet whatsoever because I am nervous. I am so scared as to how this thing could possibly end up. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is is priced properly at BetMGM. Over six and a half offensive linemen is is even money right now. Under six and yeah. a half is minus one twenty five. I really do think it's a coin flip. Um, one of the mock drafters I, I like to follow closely is Ryan McChrystal from Sharp Football. Um, he in his latest mock draft he has seven going. Um, he's had six in some of his other mock drafts. So you know he had Sam Cosme from Texas sneaking in at the end of the first round there. Um, but that was before the Chiefs traded their first round pick. So, but that that yeah. I still think the Ravens could use one of those two first round picks on on taking another offensive lineman. Uh, but I, I think it's a I think the the prop is priced fairly here. We have the over under on total offensive players, and so this one you can, we can just kind of start to do the math on this, right? Like we believe five quarterbacks. Actually, we know five quarterbacks for sure. Yep. We believe five wide receivers. We think maybe as many as six wide receivers, but let's just call it five. So now we're at 10. We know one tight end. We're at 11. If we look at the over under on the offensive lineman, like we just mentioned, it's sitting at six and a half. Even if you get to the under, if you get to the under here, now we're sitting at now. Let's say it goes to six. Now we're sitting at 17. If it goes to the over, now we're sitting at 18 and it comes down to the running back position. (laughs) Will there be that one running back taken? in the first round or will there be that extra wide receiver taken in the first round this number is on this when this number was at 17 and a half i was screaming from a mountaintop for everyone to play the over it has now moved to 18 and a half i think that's proper on it right now and i think it'd be an over or nothing bet for me steven but nothing that i want to get involved with yeah, I mean, I think you need five wide receivers to hit this over. Um, if you look at the other ones, like you said, five quarterbacks, one tight end, one running back, six offensive linemen, that's 14 right there. You would need five wide receivers to get to 19. So um, it, it, it's it's tough. It's been it's been moved up here a couple of of, of players. I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm I'm under nothing on this one. It's just too hard to figure out what a team's going to do here, and they could still take a defensive player, and then you, you're totally out of the woods. Yeah, yeah, t- definitely. Uh, some other totals that are out there: SEC players at eleven and a half, and then that is also broken down: uh, Alabama players at five and a half, LSU players at one and a half. I think you already tipped your you tipped your hand on what you think with the LSU players one because we yep. know Jamar Chase is a is a lock. And then so it comes down to Terrace Marshall. You think Terrace Marshall gets in there. A lot of people recently do have Terrace Marshall moving up their board and moving into the first round. So uh, you can actually get plus money on the LSU players uh, over uh, over the one and a half. So I'm assuming you like that one. Yeah, and the reason is because he is just a different build than every single other mm-hmm. potential first-round receiver that's going to be available in the mid to late first round. He's 6'3", he's more than 200 pounds. We thought Rashad Bateman might be that, but he then goes and weighs in in the 190s at his pro day, well below what everybody thought he was and what he was listed at at, at Minnesota. So every other one of these guys are kind of slot receiver builds, they are well under six feet tall. Most of them are in the 180 pound range. Bateman's a little heavier at 190, but yeah, Marshall's that outside threat. And if you're looking for that, you can find slot guys later on. Marshall's not a guy, that type of talent you're going to find later on in the draft. So I think he winds up getting pushed up a little bit uh, and, and helps you hit that over one and a half LSU players. Yeah, it's... Uh the it, the Bama one is going to come down to the wire again. It's going to come down to Najee Harris, whether he goes or not. So I'm a little, uh, I, actually there's, there's a couple of different ways the Bama one could get there. I mean, I I've seen some recently where, you know, some of the defensive players that were more in the second round rated have actually crept into the first round as well. So it's kind of tough to predict the Alabama. I think the Alabama one is a pretty big wild card right now. What say you? I think I'm going to add this. I, I, I like the over here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for some of the reasons we talked about with offensive linemen, I think Alex Leatherwood at offensive line is, is a solid first round prospect. I've seen him start to get mocked more and more at the end of the first round. Um, so, so just to yeah. fill pe- people in, if it's sitting at five and a half, we know four for sure, right? Like yes. Mac Jones, Waddle, Smith, and Sertan are all like four for sure, we know definitely four are going in the first round. And then from there, it's how many of these other guys sneak into the first round. Does Najee Harris go? That puts you at five. Does Christian Bearmore uh, uh, go? That puts you at six. You're there. Landon Dickerson, does he go? That puts you over. So there, there, there are a lot of outs for this Alabama over for sure. 
Yeah, we've talked about how teams, you know, get itchy for offensive linemen towards the end of the first mm-hmm. round in past years. Um, the one thing we haven't mentioned, Christian Barrymore, that, that's who you would need to hit this bet if you assume Leatherwood gets drafted in the first round. And, and Barrymore fills a position of, of need for some of these teams in a draft where there aren't many like him um, that at his quality. There are edge rushers in this draft and, and defensive ends, but interior defensive linemen that are as good as Barrymore, there's not many of them in this draft. So um, that potentially could give him a landing spot here in the first round just based on supply and demand of solid interior defensive line prospects. And that's where I think this this overhits is because of that that lack of depth for interior defensive linemen. Then we do have another prop out there, uh, Jalen Waddle versus Devontae Smith. And it's crazy where we are at sitting here, Stephen. I mean, like we're talking about this guy and Devontae Smith who literally owned college football last yeah. year. And we are debating like, is he too small? Is he what, you know, and all this stuff like this, the guy gets open and scores touchdowns and like catches the ball every single time it's thrown to him. But anyhow, uh, we're going to, we're going to nitpick and people are going to nitpick. Um, so here's the thing. The Waddle versus uh, Smith prop is fairly interesting for a couple of different reasons, and it depends on where you believe and where you are going to say that the first, you know, this first one of these two ends up getting taken because like if a lot of a lot of mocks out there have the New York Giants taking a, a wide receiver. Well, Devontae Smith, with what they already have in New York, it's probably more of a Waddle play than it is a Devontae Smith play. They still have Sterling Shepard, and like you, you, you're probably not drafting Devontae Smith to fill a position that you kind of already have filled. So it depends on do the Carolina Panthers get antsy and get another weapon for Sam Darnold, and then that's when they go Waddle, or do you look and? You know, could could even weirdly the Denver Broncos decide to pass on a quarterback and decide to go, you know, whatever. There are there are some interesting scenarios here. Um, We know the Philadelphia Eagles need another receiver. So there there are going to be receivers go in this little middle range right here. Uh, Where do you sit on the Waddle versus Smith and which one goes first? You had mentioned something earlier in the pod about how do. Uh, NFL GMs get fired. And one of the ways mm-hmm. you said is by taking a very raw quarterback prospect, mortgaging future picks and him being a bust after mm-hmm. trading up for that. Uh, another way might be drafting a 165 pound wide receiver in the top 10 and Devonta Smith. <laughs> you know, I, I know he lit the world on fire at Alabama and he won the Heisman. He was incredible. Uh, the other thing we should mention, though, when you're trying to put it into context of which is going to be an NFL, which is going to be the better NFL prospect, when both of those players played last year, Jalen Waddle was every bit as good as Devonta mm-hmm. Smith before he had the foot injury. And he's also a bigger build than Devonta Smith. This bet to me comes down to whether or not the Miami Dolphins take Waddle or Smith at pick six. I think they want a wide receiver. Uh, that's where I think this landing spot is. And I just have a hard time believing that an NFL front office, as good as Devonta Smith was at Alabama and winning the Heisman, is going to take a chance with a top 10 pick on a player who wouldn't even weigh in at his pro day, refused to weigh in at, at senior week. Uh, at, at the senior bowl, I should say. And I, I think Waddle is the more is the is the more prototypical body type and skill set of what you see a top 10 receiver being in NFL drafts. I think Devonta Smith, there's no chance he gets out of the top 12. Uh, but if I'm taking a shot on this prop and it has now been juiced, I think, to, to minus 160, minus 170 for Waddle to be picked ahead of Devonta Smith. And I agree with that based on how uh, based on what we know about how NFL front offices think when it comes to wide receiver prospects. Yeah, I am with you there for uh, for sure. I think that, you know, it's a very interesting scenario as to what the Dolphins are doing, because if Chase is gone, then I still think they take a wide receiver no matter what. They need help, and so it's going to be one of the either Waddle or Smith, and I think Waddle probably ends up getting the nod there on that one. So Stephen was able to catch up 
with the uh, sportsbook operations manager over at Circus Sports, Jeff Benson, who was a, uh, kind enough to give us some time to talk about what they're doing with all these uh, draft props and and what's going through the minds of the sportsbook whenever these props and news gets broken out there in the world. Joining us now is the sportsbook operations manager for Circus Sports, Jeff Benson, to talk a little NFL draft with us. Give us a little behind the scenes look at how a sportsbook manages offerings for the NFL draft. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. You guys have expanded at this point with more than 100 different over under draft position props, other offerings as well from last year when the draft was really the only game in town when all sports were stopped. So give us an idea here. This is not the typical odds making situation where you have past games and performances to rely on. We are dealing in the shadows with these NFL teams with mock drafts and speculation and information. So how much of those mock drafts, how much of the insider reports do you guys rely on to set these opening markets for NFL draft props? Yeah. I mean, I think being the only market out there uh, on a lot of these offerings, um, you know, the general strategy for us uh, has been to move really aggressive on everything um, and try to get to the right number as fast as possible. So, you know, Matt Metcalf, who's our director, he talks all the time uh, about price discovery when being first to market on certain offerings in the world. Um, so we understand we're going to get some numbers right. You know, we also understand we're going to get a lot of numbers wrong. And to be honest, it doesn't really bother us. For us, we want to utilize the sharp early information to get to the right number as quickly as possible so that we can then take the majority of our bets, including some of the more recreational ones, um, at that market number. We believe this really, you know, this kind of strategy uh, really lends itself to making more money in the long run uh, because we're able to write more bets uh, than if we waited a while and put up uh, a lot of these markets uh, once everything was really, really efficient. You know, when Super Bowl draft props first started, I think the legend goes that it was, you know, whether the William or the refrigerator Perry would score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, how new is this phenomenon with the NFL draft? When did it start for you guys? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, some of this stuff is a little bit newer to Vegas uh, just because uh, it took a little bit longer for the Nevada Gaming Control Board Commission to approve some of this stuff. Um, but betting on the draft's been going on for a while, particularly offshore. Um, but obviously, given um, the clientele who bet into this kind of market, uh, it, it really is a much sharper market than, you know, an NBA market or an NFL market uh, or just a day to day, uh, you know, NHL, college basketball, things like that, just because they're not actually playing a game. A lot of what you're dealing with um, is smoke screens and rumors uh, and information on Twitter and things like that. So really trying to get ahead of the information um, and perception based bets. Um, it, it really is an information game uh, when you look at this market. Um, and obviously, you know, I would say a lot of people don't necessarily like to book this market just because it's so hard to win at. Um, because, you know, when rumors and news breaks, a lot of times, you know, when you have a hundred and X amount of players that you're booking, you know, a lot of times the betters are going to get to that information before you do. So in a year like this, where, you know, we're recording this one week before the draft, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence and the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. So all of the speculation has been around the 49ers and that number three pick. How popular has that situation been at the sports book? And if not, then what have been your more popular options? Yeah, I think it's a great question. You know, I think when you look at the draft, um, obviously the first you know couple of picks kind of look set in stone there in the market and the odds would dictate that as well. But I think the third pick is really fascinating. You know, uh, with the Niners, you know, trading up to the third pick in the draft, it's it's really the worst kept secret in the league that they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, and I think correlated markets within the draft is something, you know, really fascinating. And when you look at Mac Jones and Justin Fields, uh, and, and now to be honest, you know, a lot of the talk with Trey Lance, I think they, they both or all three really go hand in hand, in my opinion. Uh, when you look at uh, what we opened at, uh, initially, it was a foregone conclusion that it was Mac Jones. 
Um, and then obviously a couple of days before, uh, you know, coming on here, uh, I think you really saw the fields love come in. Uh, and that was followed by him, uh, market wise being the favorite to go number three. When you look back at what we opened, uh, fields was three and a half, uh, under minus $2. Uh, and Mac Jones was nine and a half under minus one sixty. When you look at where those numbers have moved from the openers, Justin Fields, uh, like I said, was three and a half under minus two dollars. He's now three and a half over minus two seventy. Um, so that's moved almost five dollars, which is a pretty massive move uh, on on NFL draft props. Uh, and then Mac Jones, uh, like I said, we opened uh, nine and a half under minus one sixty. We're at under nine minus four dollars. So these are massive, massive moves, and I think the correlation you see between the two is when the market is valuing fields over conversely uh, they're going to value Mac Jones under uh, if they think, you know, the 49ers aren't going to draft fields and they're going to draft Mac Jones, you know, obviously Trey Lance has seen some interest here uh, in the last couple of days um, as his parents and the front office have been, you know, linked together and, uh, you know, you, you get these these rumor mills and these smoke screens and and all these information circulating and, uh, you know, something pops up on Twitter and, you know, some of these numbers can really run. So, you know, I think the next week leading up to the draft will be really, really interesting. Um, but when you look at the third pick, um, you know, a lot of those dominoes, once they fall, will dictate, you know, the rest of the top 10, top 15. I think you said it really well. The the worst kept secret in the NFL that the 49ers are taking a quarterback, but perhaps the best kept secret in the NFL as to which one it will be on draft night. We will see. Um, so, so based on all of those moves that the players around that third pick speculation have made over at Circa, the question really begs for the casual betters and, and the curious ones as well. How much are you shifting those numbers based on the money that you're taking and the money that you're booking? And how much are you shifting them based on new information in the NFL draft, social media sphere and insider reporting circles? Yeah, I mean, I think when we're booking this stuff, um, you know, a lot of it uh, is, is feel and some of it, to be honest, is, is science and math. Uh, you know, you really try to get ahead of these perception-based bets and a lot of the rumors and smoke screens. Uh, it can be really challenging, especially when you're, you know, the only market um, on some of these longer names. Obviously, you know, the, the market on a Trey Lance uh, or Mac Jones, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, some of those guys who are projected um, to go much uh, higher up in the draft, um, the market isn't going to be as widely ranging and with as many opinions uh, as you say, when you go down the draft board uh, and you look at a guy like Davis Mills or Kellen Mond or some of these guys who are projected in the fourth, fifth or sixth round. So for us, uh, you know, we're really booking to the money um, in this case and, and really respecting a lot of these people's opinions, um, you know, because like I've mentioned before, you know, these betters, uh, you know, that they're looking to maybe bet one, two, three things. Uh, whereas we got a book, you know, all hundred, you know, draft position over unders and things like that. Um, and ultimately a lot of times they get to the news before we do. So, you know, I would say it's half and half, you know, it's definitely booking to the money, um, and, and respecting the opinion, of these sharp guys, uh, and, and the market. Um, and then obviously, you know, you're going to move on air, uh, w when certain things come around. So, you know, when, when, uh, insiders, you know, talk about uh, Justin Fields and having, you know, struggled with epilepsy and things like that. Um, or you talk about, you know, certain, uh, you know, Terrence Marshall and injury concerns, you know, that may cause us to move, you know, a number, you know, higher or lower, uh, depending upon what, how we think the market is going to ultimately react to that news. Lastly, Jeff, just with a situation like this, where you spend most of your year, you know, relying on past performances and, and the data that surrounds that how much for you personally, is this a fun time with the NFL draft and how much of this is a stressful time as an odds maker? Yeah. I mean, as odds makers and bookmakers, you know, we try to gather as much information as possible um, and utilize that to make the best in, informed decision uh, on our opener. 
Uh, and then ultimately, you, you know, how we book, um, you know, which side we want to need for a lot of these props when we go into the draft. So, you know, I, I, I would say it's, it's certainly different, um, you know, than an NFL Sunday or things like that. Uh, it, it's stressful in terms of getting ahead of the information um, and trying not to get, you know, double or triple popped uh, when a lot of these news and rumors breaks. Um, but, you know, for us, we really wanted to go above and beyond and offer, you know, a very deep menu of draft props and, and give our betters uh, the ability to bet a lot of different things and have a lot of different sweats come draft day. So, you know, we're, we're certainly excited about us, uh, about it, um, you know, being uh, that the Raiders are here in Vegas as well. You know, there's certainly a little bit more of palpable uh, excitement than uh, if we didn't have an NFL team. But, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, booking it uh, and, and making a ton of money, uh, you know, I would say it's certainly one of the nicher markets uh, that's very, very hard to beat uh, as, as a bookmaker. Uh, but like I said, we enjoy that challenge. He is the sportsbook operations manager for Circa Sports, Jeff Benson. You can read more about his process with the NFL draft on thelines.com right now. The article is titled NFL Draft Props, How a Vegas Odds Maker Creates Markets and Reacts to Rumors. Go to thelines.com and just search NFL Draft to find that article. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on today. Do appreciate Jeff taking the time to uh, talk to us about what goes on over there during the props and prop season and things like that. I know it's uh, absolutely wild and crazy for these sports books when it comes down to uh, to booking these things. But Stephen, this is what people stood around. This is what people hung around for. What bets have we made? What bets are we still or might we make? Because we do still have you know a few days before this thing goes down. Um, where are you sitting, my friend? What do you have in the account, and what are you considering? Yeah, we talked about this on last week's pod. My still my favorite bet of the entire draft is for Patrick Sertan to be the first defensive player drafted, the cornerback out of Alabama. I think you may have to wait nine picks for this to happen because there's going to be such a huge run of offensive players, it seems, at the top of this draft. I got him, uh, you know, about a month ago at two to one. Um, he's minus 145 now to be the first defensive player drafted. But with, you know, some of the concerns around Micah Parsons, uh, he's Sertan is clearly better than the other top cornerback, J.C. Horn here. I really have a ton of confidence still that Sertan will be the first defensive player drafted at minus 145. Uh, some of the others I like, we talked about the wide receivers. One report that I really paid attention to is that there's a, a decent amount of people in the New York Giants organization that loves Devonta Smith with the given that I believe Jalen Waddle goes ahead of Devonta Smith. I think he lands with the New York Giants. So I was able to find uh, Devonta Smith to go to the New York Giants at five to one. Um, oh, you can nice. also get the New York Giants. That's come down a little bit. It's more like three to one. Mm -hmm. uh, the New York Giants to take a wide receiver. I think you could still get around plus 200. Um, and then I am still sitting on a, on a Trey Lance to be the third overall pick in this draft to the 49ers. Um, I got it at four to one. It's sitting around two to one right now. For all the reasons we talked about earlier in this pod, I'm fading Mac Jones as a 49ers fan sitting here in my Jerry Rice jersey. <laughs> if it's Mac Jones, I'm going to be livid that they gave up two <laughs> extra first round picks to take a pocket passer. But uh, here we are. So I'm I am I am planting my flag in the ground that it will not be Mac Jones with the third overall pick. We touched on Terrace Marshall as a first round pick, minus 110. I like that. Uh, and I did sprinkle just a little bit on uh, on Barmore to be the first defensive lineman taken mm -hmm. uh, just under the assumption that there's potentially a team that's looking D-line or pass rusher, but they prefer the elite interior defensive lineman as opposed to a D-end or an edge guy. That could potentially give Barmore a spot there. That's just a little bit of a sprinkle. I, I only put, you know, maybe like, yeah. you know, a fifth of a unit on that, but I got eight to one on it. So I like that as well. No, absolutely. And there is, and like you said, that's, they're all clumped together. That is another point to bring out. Like defense, they're all clumped together though they are basically completely different positions in today's NFL. I mean, like we have guys that are strictly nothing but pass rushing specialists. And we also have dudes like you're talking about who can play in the interior and stop the run as well. And maybe that fills a different gap for, yeah. for a team that isn't really necessarily looking for a pass rusher. So that's a good point to, uh, to bring up on my end. Um, 
again, uh, I'll just say it again. Over four and a half wide receivers. If that does not happen on draft night, I'm going to be a very sad Matt Brown. That is for sure. Uh, it is going to be it's going to be a bad day for me. I'm very heavily invested in over four and a half wide receivers. Uh, you can still get that right now at a pretty decent price. Uh, it's only like minus 240. So um, really do like that one uh, a ton. Uh, Justin Fields under four and a half. Again, I think that there's a couple of outs here. If he doesn't go three to the 49ers, I still think that there's an out in someone trading into that four spot to take him. And even maybe even the Falcons just being too tempted to let him to let him go uh, at that four spot as well. So the under four and a half on Justin Fields, I like that a ton as well. Now I have Jamar Chase under six and a half. That's in the account. That's not available anymore. That number is now moved to five and a half. I don't think that's bettable. I liked it at six and a half because it gave me two outs. I don't like it where I only have one out. So I can't really recommend that to anybody uh, at this point. I have Jamar Chase first wide receiver taken. Like we said, that is pretty much a given. It depends on your bankroll. That bet is not for everybody. It's a super expensive bet, but there is nobody in this world who has any other wide receiver other than Jamar Chase going for, uh, as the first wide receiver. So uh, I like that one a lot. I have the Cowboys to take a defensive player. I like that one a ton as well. I have Miami Dolphins to take a wide receiver for the for the stuff that we just mentioned, Stephen. So yeah, I, I have a bet in tow already for the explanation that you just made. Listen, even if Chase isn't there, they have to have help at the wide receiver position. So then at that point, they just go to plan B. Devontae Parker had a 1.7 average yards of separation from people covering him. That was tied with the ghost of A.J. Green for worst <laughs> among wide receivers in the NFL. Mike Gesicki, a guy that we loved and uh, you know everyone wouldn't talk about how awesome he was. Two yards of separation. That was dead last amongst tight ends. Parker also had nine. It was ninth in the league in drops as well. Like he's a number two. He's just not a number one. And they need to have a number one since they have bought in on Tua here. So they got to get him some help and they're going to get him a wide receiver in this draft for sure. Uh, we talked about some of those exactas as well. Uh, I think those are some ways that you can get at least a little bit better price uh, in, for the conviction that you have on how the draft goes one, two, three, or first at this position, first at that position, first at this position. So look at those um, whenever you're going at it. And again, not for every bankroll, but under five and a half quarterbacks, it's minus 450 at BetMGM. I understand you're having to lay $450 to win $100. There is not going there's not going to be a sixth quarterback taken in the first round. It's just not <laughs> gonna happen. It is like it is those five guys and everybody else. Like nobody is wasting a first round pick on Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or Davis Mills or any of these guys like that. And so um again, I've I've laid some big juice on some of these bets, but it, it, you know, with the draft, there's sometimes you just gotta do that if you want to make uh a little bit of money. But guys. Uh, for all of the written content, seriously, head over to the line. Steven and the team over there, tons and tons and tons of written content on the draft. It'll be happening all the way up until we get this thing going on Thursday. So be sure and take in all the written content over there as well. If you want to follow Steven on Twitter, at StevenAndrus1. If you want to follow me, at MattBrownM2. And of course, thanks to our sponsor here at BetMGM. Guys, enjoy the draft, make some money, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 